Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. You have your Bibles with you. Open them to the book of Joshua, chapter 24. Joshua, chapter 24. You know, one of the things I, I love about uh, New Year is, at least to some extent, you're starting with a clean slate. Or at least there is the feeling that you're starting with a clean slate. Starting from scratch. And uh, that, for me, is refreshing. This morning I'm starting a series entitled, Starting from Scratch. And this is a a series uh, in which I want to draw our attention to ways in which we can make this year uh, a a greater year, not only for ourselves, but in our our giving glory to the Lord through our lives. And so sometimes you just have to erase the blackboard and start afresh. And so that's what this series is about. The title of the message this morning is The Benefits of Transitions. It comes from Joshua chapter 24, verses 1 through 18. Every 365 days or so, we go through a transition from one year to the next, from an old year to a new year. And every year at this time, we're reminded that our lives consist of a series of transitions, more I think, then we realize, and the Bible is full of transitions. In fact, you don't get to the end of Genesis chapter 1 until you have gone through six different transitions in the story. So the Bible is uh, a very realistic book in that it, it describes life and describes all of history as made up of transitions. One of the greatest transitional periods, especially in the Old Testament, is found in Joshua chapter 24. This great man Joshua, this military leader of a great nation, uh, discerns that it's a transition time. And he has some words of wisdom and challenge for the nation of Israel at this point of transition. Joshua 24. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. When I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. 
I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil, cities you did not build, and you live in them, and you eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Now, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors that they worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then... Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed these great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, as this chapter teaches us so vividly, Lord, as we live in transition... I pray that you'd help us to take stock in your great and mighty works in our lives and for our behalf. And help us, Lord, to uh, stop in our busyness, to take a breath, to reevaluate our own lives and to envision a future that is the one to which you called us. And Father, I pray that from this scripture, this great transitional chapter in your word would rise up. Uh, words of challenge and encouragement to us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Where are you? Who are you? said the caterpillar. I, I hardly know, sir, just at present, Alice replied rather shyly. At least I know who I was when I got up this morning. But I think I must have changed several times since then. There may have been times in your life when you felt or at least could sympathize somewhat with Alice's words in Lewis Carroll's Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. When asked by the caterpillar, who are you? She wasn't quite sure. I'm not quite sure who I am and where I stand right now, but I do know who I was when I woke up this morning, but a lot of water has gone under the bridge since then, and I've changed a lot several times since then. You and I may not change as many times as Alice did in a given day, but if we look back over our lives, we would come to the same conclusion, I think, that Alice did, that her life has changed several times since way back then. Life consists of a series 
of transitions. Our lives are even directed to an extent by the uh, transitions that we face in life. A transition is any movement or passage or change from one position or state or stage or subject or concept to another. For instance, if you change as Luke is about to from eight to nine years old or as he did today. Or in the early service, we had a young fellow named Carson who came down from the children's sermon. And before we ever got into the children's sermon, he wanted to let me know in no uncertain terms that he was four about to turn five. Transitions. Transitions from adolescence to adulthood. Transitions from single to married. Transitions from married to divorce. Transitions from uh, high school to college or from college to career or from working full time to retired full time. Transitions make up our lives. William Bridges, back in 1970, was a literature professor, and he went through a crisis in his life. He had just moved from the country to the city where he was uh, changing schools and teaching literature, but the crisis that occurred in his life from moving to the open space country to the uh, uptight and fast-paced city was something that he had trouble dealing with. And that, on top of some other issues in his life, carried him into a crisis that resulted in him giving up his profession. He gave up his job. I don't know if you've ever been in a transitional crisis that was so heavy that it resulted or prompted you to give up something that you had been a part of for a very long time. But that's what happened with William Bridges in 1970. And after he gave up his job and was searching for himself, trying to figure out what it was that he wanted to do with the rest of his life, in his meantime, he signed up to teach a short-term class out in his community called uh, Life's Transitions. He thought, well, my crisis going from the wide open space of the country to the cramped up city life spaces of the city would equip me to help these people. Now, he didn't know how many people were going to be in the class. He really didn't think that transitions was on many people's radar. He thought there would be a small class, maybe four or five people, and it would be made up of four or five people who had experienced pretty much the same thing he had, going from the country where they'd been brought up most of their life to living in the city. When he got there for his first class, he didn't have enough material because 25 people showed up, 25 people. And when he itemizes the different backgrounds of the people who showed up for that class, it was amazing the transitions that were represented there. Listen to this. Just listen to this. This is a makeup of the 25 people who showed up for William Bridges' classes in the early 70s. First, there were men and women who had recently been divorced or separated. There were a couple of newlyweds as well as some who had been married, divorced, and remarried. There was one man who was a newlywed, and his wife had four children going into the new marriage, and so all of a sudden, here's this man who's a newlywed who, is, who has suddenly acquired four new children that he didn't have just the night before. There was a widow. There were several recently retired men in the class. There was the wife of one retired man, 
But the man could not attend because his health had worsened just a few weeks after he retired. But she came. Do you hear the transitions? There was a woman who had just given birth to her first baby. There was a man who had been given a large promotion on his job. There was another man who had just had a heart attack. There were four women who had just returned to college after raising their children. There were two people who'd just been fired from their jobs. There was a young woman, 23 years old, by far the youngest in the entire group of 25. She was a young woman, 23 years old, who was living alone on her own for the first time in her life. And as so many of these kind of classes do, they sat in a circle and they began the class by going around. Tell us your name. Tell us where you're from. Tell us the transition that you're going through in your life. And they went through all these people, most of them in their 50s or 60s or late 40s. And this 23-year-old young woman was the last one in the circle to give her name and her background and her transition. But by the time they got to her, she was angry. She was appalled at all the rest of the people in the class. She spoke up. She gave her name. She said, I I must say how I'm angered by what I hear from you all. She said, I can understand if a 23-year-old needs to step back in in a transition period and, and figure things out. But she said, I tell you that by the time I get to any of your people's age, I plan to have it figured out. I can't believe that anybody would get as old as you folks are and not have it figured out yet. She won a lot of hearts right there. She became the best friend of everybody. Everybody wanted to go home with her and eat supper, you know. No, everybody kind of snickered. They were actually very gracious with her. They kind of snickered. Most of them kind of bowed their head as they smiled. One lady, it had to have been a lady to have said it, since it was a, a, a young 23-year-old woman who initiated this conversation. A lady says, yeah, she, she said, we used to feel the same way when we were your age. Transitions. So you're going through transitions right this moment. And Joshua wants us to know that in this transition, God wants to do something in your life. He wants to use this transition to pivot you his way. You see, life is a constant state of transition, some good, some bad, some expected, some unexpected, some brought on by our own actions, others impacting us, even though we had little, if anything, to do with initiating the transition to begin with. Transitions happen. And the Bible is jam-packed with transitions. Uh, I already told you that by the time you get to the end of Genesis chapter 1, you've already gone through six transitions. And five of those were before there was even a human being on the face of the earth. But get this. Adam and Eve going from Eden to expulsion from Eden. That was a major transition. Adam and Eve going from single, I mean, from married childless to married with children. That's a major transition. Cain going from a mere brother to a murderer living in the land of Nod. Noah, 
starting over after a devastating flood destroys all the inhabitants of planet Earth. Abraham transitioning from a polytheist in Mesopotamia. Polytheist, as you know, is a person who believes there's a bunch of gods and they worship all of them to a monotheist living in Canaan 800 miles away. That's a major transition, giving up everything that he'd ever been taught and that his family had ever been raised, ever raised him to believe. And folks, that just gets us to Genesis 12. I mean, there are 1,182 chapters in Scripture, and we've only got to Genesis 12 when we see this great transition of Abraham the polytheist in in Mesopotamia to Abraham the monotheist, worshiper of one God, in Canaan. And there are lots and lots and lots and lots of other transitions in the Scripture. One of them, of course, is in Joshua chapter 24. By the time we get to Joshua chapter 24, the Israelites have spent 430 years in Egypt. Probably a little over 100 of those were in slavery. And then God sent Moses. And Moses led them, transitional period, out of Egypt and into the desert of Arabia. And they stay there 40 years wandering throughout that desert. They get to the end of that 40-year period and Moses, the only leader they've ever really known, dies, another major transitional period, and he's succeeded by the young military commander and fireball, Joshua. And Joshua leads them across Jordan and into Canaan where they spend decades conquering the land and destroying the people and taking possession of the property because God told them to. And now, Joshua 24, Joshua, being a wise man, discerns that they are entering a transition. It takes discernment to know when you're entering a transition. Not everybody sees it, but Joshua is able to see it. And so he gathers the people together during this transition period. And he begins to relate to them some things that are vital for them to hear during the transition. You see, transitions can be beneficial. This chapter reveals benefits to transitions. And here we are in a transition at the beginning of a new year. Many of you are in transitions that have been going on even before the old year passed away. And, and, and I, want you to, I want you to hear what Joshua is saying here, what God is saying through Joshua, that during your transition, there are some benefits that God wants you to enjoy, to embrace. For instance, first of all, this chapter tells us that transitions provide an opportunity for self-evaluation. The first 14, the first 13 verses of this chapter are verses in which Joshua looks back and he rehearses the history of this nation. He goes back to Abraham and he says, God called Abraham out of Mesopotamia where they were worshiping other gods, brought him to Canaan and then down to Egypt. The Bible says, uh, that uh, here that Joshua says not only did, did God bring Abraham out, but he gave him this land and then he gave him Isaac. And then to Isaac he gave Jacob and Esau. And then uh, he, he carried them down into Egypt. And then God gave him Moses and Aaron and brought them out into the desert. And he rehearses all of this history. Because it was important for them to look back and see where they had come from. 
When I thought about this chapter and I was reading this story, I couldn't help but think about that wonderful question that the angel of the Lord asked Hagar when she had been expelled from Abraham and Sarah and was out in the desert and she, she thought she was going to die. And the angel of the Lord appeared to her and said, Hagar, where have you come from and where are you going? Transition provides us an opportunity to look back and evaluate ourselves. What mistakes have we made? What successes have we accomplished? What brought us from there to here? And who was it back along the, 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 the side of the road of that path of life? Who was it that helped us become what we've become in life? Because we certainly didn't get here by ourselves. And so Joshua rehearses their history, including those who helped him. Abraham helped you. Isaac helped you. Jacob helped you. Moses helped you. Aaron helped you. This is where you've come from. These are the mistakes you've made. These are the successes you've accomplished. Now, when you and I are in a transition and we reevaluate where we've been, there's a caution that, that needs to be leveled toward us. And that caution is this. When you look back on your past, don't be too hard on yourself, but don't be too easy on yourself either. You see, we tend... Many people tend to land on the extreme. Some people, when they look back on their lives, all they see are the, the, the mistakes and the failures and the dismal side of, of their lives. They can't see anything good they've done and they just brutalize themselves. That's an extreme point of view. Don't do that. But on the other hand, there are other people who are just the opposite. They look back, and no matter how many mistakes they've made, they don't see the mistakes. I mean, as far as they're concerned, they look back, and boy, I just, I just do everything the same way I did then. I'd do it all over again because I didn't make that many mistakes. I'm telling you, I did everything pretty much right. In fact, they can look at somebody else's life and see uh, clearly, with 20-20 vision, the mistakes in somebody else's life, but cannot see the same mistakes that they themselves have made. That's an extreme case, too. Don't be too hard on yourself, brutalizing yourself over past mistakes. Don't be so easy on yourself that you just gloss over major mistakes. Be objective. Be balanced. Paul said this, he says, he says, think soberly about yourselves. Don't be so high-minded, but don't think so lowly of yourself. He said, be sober, that is, have a balanced opinion of yourself as you reevaluate your life. Transitions provide an opportunity for self-evaluation. Second, transitions provide an opportunity to take a breath. You ever had a conversation with somebody... And they're going through something you may or may not know what it is. Let's say you do know what it is. And let's say that for you, you look at it and you think, man, this really wasn't that big of a deal. But this person who's going through it, they are going berserk. I mean, they are just going overkill over this crisis in their lives. And you're looking at them and you're not going to say this, or at least I don't think you're going to say it. But at the very least, you're thinking it. You're thinking, man, you need to chill out. You really need to stop and take a breath. Count to ten. You ever seen anybody like that? Are you somebody like that? 
Do you know somebody like that? I don't know what it is. I, I hear lately, and this is going to sound crazy, I have come to the place where I appreciate a deep breath. I'm talking about one of those deep breaths where you know that you've reached the bottom of your lungs. You know what it feels like. You ever, you ever just felt like you needed a deep breath, and so you breathe in, but you know you didn't get the full air? It didn't quite reach the bottom of your lungs? Do you know what I'm talking about? You ever had that experience? Whenever I have that experience... I start panicking because I get suffocating. So I think, oh, I've got, I've got to get a deep breath. But the more I try, the shorter my breath gets. But how relieving it is to be able to just stop, calm down, and then take a deep breath. And you can just feel that it reaches all the way down into your lungs. You have reached that bottom part that says, oh, you're full. We need a full breath sometimes, and transitions enable us to take that breath. Jesus was the expert in this. In Mark chapter 6, verse 30, he had sent the disciples out, 70 of them, two by two. They go out for a long period of time, and they're, they're conducting a lot of ministry, and they come back, and they're so excited over everything that they have seen God do through them. And they're wanting to tell Jesus about it and share with him what has happened. And he says, oh, I'm telling you, he says, I, I, saw, I saw Satan like lightning falling from the sky, but, and it was as though he said, guys, I know you're excited about it, and I know you want to talk about it, but, and here's what he said in Mark chapter 6, verse 30. He says, instead, come with me by yourselves. Let's go to a quiet place, and let's get some rest. You know what he was saying? Let's go take a breather. Let's go take a deep breath. And then we can talk about this other stuff. Transitions provide an opportunity for us to self-evaluate. Transitions provide an opportunity for, to, uh, an opportunity for us to take a breath. And let me tell you, a lot of us need to do just that. And then finally, transitions provide an opportunity to envision the future. In verses 14 through 16, Joshua issues a challenge. And these verses that make up this challenge are the most familiar words in the entire book of Joshua. It's those words where he says this. He says, If it's not pleasing for you to serve the Lord, then choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But know this, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It was a challenge to those people. He had rehearsed their history. He had told them uh, who had been involved in bringing them to where they were. And now he issues a challenge. You have a choice to make, he said. You need to choose life. You need to choose the Lord. But you need to choose something and then he, with his challenge, he gave them the example to follow. He didn't just leave them with a challenge, uh, but he, he, he wanted to give them an example. He says, as for me and my house, let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to serve the Lord. And you know what Joshua did then? He shut his mouth. 
And he said nothing. And when he shut his mouth and said nothing, that was the cue for the people. They knew that at that point, the ball was in their court. They had to make a choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The Bible says that they looked at Joshua and they said, Far be it from us that we would turn away from the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Are you in a transition? Many of you are. I know you are. Has it caused you to reflect upon your life, to perform a self-evaluation? Has it caused you to stop and take a breath out of the busyness of your life? Is it causing you to seek God's guidance and His wisdom and His grace as you envision His future for you? That's what transitions are for. And when we start this new year with a blank slate, when we're starting from scratch in this new year, the best thing we can do is stop. Evaluate ourselves where we've been. What brought us to this place? Take a breath and envision God's future for us. Some of you who are older than I will remember the comedian Bob Burns. Does anybody remember Bob Burns? Anybody in the house? They say he used to tell the story of eating army food. Now, Bob Burns is a lot like I was growing up in North Georgia. He was used to his mama's deep, fat, fried chicken on a daily basis, or almost daily basis. And so after 18 years of his mother's deep fried deep fat fried chicken on a daily basis, he goes into the army and for the first week he is exposed to the bland food of a GI menu. And he realized something that he had never realized before. And the only way he realized it was that he lost it. He had suffered all of his life from heartburn. And the only way he really knew it and thought and, and realized that it wasn't something that was uh, abnormal was with the bland GI food, he stopped having heartburn. Except for when it first happened, he didn't see, his, see it as an improvement. He thought something was wrong. And so he rushed to the mass unit hospital and said, Doc, Doc, man, you got to help me. I am dying. And the doctor said, how do you know you're dying, Burns? He said, I've lost my fire. Transitions. Our church is in a transition. Probably one of the most noticeable and strongest transitions we've been in since I've been here. And the question for us in 2012, in simple terms, is this. Will our fire go out? That's the question.
if all goes well, this will be the year that the fire never goes out. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, you're not only the God of all creation, you are the God of all transitions. For we know, as you told Jeremiah, that you have a plan for our lives. A plan to prosper us and not to harm us. A plan to give us a future and a hope. And that plan comes in its design with transitions. Some good, some bad, some that surprise us, never any that surprise you. And in those transitions, we have opportunities to stop, reflect, take a breath, envision the future, make decisions. Lord, it's not a matter of if we'll ever face a transition. It's a matter of when and how long and what we'll do in it. God, help us to make right decisions. Lord, in this building, perhaps, there are people who are in a transition and they have come to the realization that a decision needs to be made. There may be somebody here who's never been saved and they've come to the place. They know they're lost. They know they need Christ. And they need to come and, and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I know that you died on the cross for me and I, wanna, I want you to come into my heart to be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. There may be someone who is saved, but there's some transitional decision that they need to make or they need to pray over. And this is the time for them to do it. Lord, may this year be the year. Not that the fire goes out, but that we get fired up. May this be the turnaround year. In Jesus' name.